I'm Jim Maxwell, and you're listening to State of Play. Now, on January 6th, 2012, the Brisbane Heat hosted the Hobart Hurricanes. According to Rick Buzz, he's named as a batting all-rounder. We'll be catching all the big moments on KO Sports. The amount of potency in Clive Rose's <laughs> voice and his mere presence. I do enjoy cricket. <laughs> The date is August 27th, and this is State of Play, live through the iPhone camera. And boys, we have one hell of a test match to dissect here. The third Ashes test has wrapped up. England have gotten away with one run in what has been described as a Herculean innings by Ben Stokes. Bringing it to you here from the couch, I'm Alistair Belling. I'm Oliver Winch. And I'm Miles Cade. And I've got to be honest, I'm still just reeling from... Like two, I mean, it is, um, I think I hadn't even fully recovered from the enormity of the World Cup final. And now to be hit with another late night kind of, uh, you know, Shakespearean style drama. With Ben Stokes once again, just looking mentally shot to pieces at the crease as things happen. It was, it it was unbelievable. And something that I've been reflecting on today, boys, is that a lot of people have been saying, oh, you know, this test match is potentially in the greatest of all time based purely off that final day. But I think what people don't appreciate is like the arc that went into this game was immense. Like, to like, it's interesting you say that because just to kind of get people on board with the program today, we're going to try and wrap this one up a little bit quicker before we actually field some questions from our live audience (laughs) watching via (laughs) Facebook today. Um, we're going to just kind of cover... We're just going to go key moment by key moment. We'll, we'll take a look at those first three days. And there's so much that happened that maybe we, we'll Huge. forget it. We've forgotten about already, to be honest. Well, and then we'll, we'll hit that last day. So let's start with, with how things went mm. from day one. And, and we saw a kind of rainy pitch. Yeah, we lost... Overcast guys. We lost the first innings. Or just, or just about the first... In, uh, not innings. Um, session to rain unexpectedly, I feel... And Harris was out off the last ball of yeah, the first like session, I think. 12 balls or something yeah, in that yeah, session. Just before they went off. Harris. Yeah. And everyone followed him off. So, yeah, so Australia batting first, uh, trundled out for a grand total of, it doesn't actually say. 179. 179, there you go. Uh, Marcus Lavashane contributing with 74, keeping himself. Manus. It's Manus. Manus. You, you got to say, you have to say Manus. We do have it. a Marcus and a Manus. Oh, it's understandable. Ap- apologies to the lasagna man. But, you know, again, looking very calm and collected at the crease for his 74 of 129. A lot was being made about Dave Warner sort of his return to form, as some people put it, with his 61 off 94. I thought he looked abysmal for the first hour of that. And I actually believe that it might have been the longest he's taken in his career to get off the mark. It was something like 30 balls or something. I I, I could be... There was some stat about that innings that That it's it's the longest in... X amount of time that Dave Warner has taken to do anything. And he was given a thorough investigation by Joffrey Archer in that first in that first and session. And sure broad. Oh, as, absolutely. As expected, though. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting you say that. And I've, I've heard, um, I think, something that is really convincing um, about the kind of difference between days one and two, where Australia obviously were, were rolled. But if, if we were rolled, then England were steamrolled the next <laughs> day, you know, with the heavy roller. Um Interestingly, though, there was less swing on day two, and mm. what I've heard is that, and, I, and watching it live, I think this is this is quite true, 
Day one saw swing and seam. Too much to beat the bat, essentially. Yeah. Like, as too much to grab the edge. It just beat the bat entirely. Whereas day two, um, Josh Hazelwood wasn't swinging the ball much, but the seam movement was just enough to, to grab the edge yeah, on I, so many occasions. Yeah, I had a fun stat. I, um, There's a lot of fun stats yeah, from that first But particularly to do with um, this seam movement, especially with Josh Hazelwood. Apparently, mm. he seamed the ball twice as far as he swung the ball. Do you want to explain the difference between seaming yeah, and swinging totally. it? Yeah, totally. Because I've got to be honest, that's something that I haven't quite grasped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So swing is movement in the air. Seam is kind of more jag jagging off like off the pitch when it bounces. Post post bounce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I th- the difference or well, the nuance there is I think the ball can still swing post bounce, but it's more because of the ball's shape and movement through the air that it moves one way or the other. Whereas seaming is kind of more directly from the bounce, it just changes direction. Mm. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And so he seemed it off the bounce twice as far as he swung the ball all day. Well, something that we should really quickly mention then on seam and, and swing bowling, because I know we're, we're talking about the first English dig, but in that sense, you could say that Travis Head was bowled for a duck in the first Australian innings by Stuart Broad from one of the best seaming balls that you're ever going to see. I, 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 absolutely the ball of the series thus far, potentially the ball of the year. Can I, I'll just describe it to those that didn't catch it. Um, Stuart Broad, Broad is bowling around the wicket to the left-handed Travis Head, as he's enjoyed doing for the kind of whole second half of his career, really, around, around the wicket. Just to Travis Head for the second <laughs> half of his career. <laughs> just to left-handers in general. He, he's really got that unusual swing away from the left-hander, which is something about the way his action kind of comes down if that makes sense. Anyway, he it's just one of those balls that was bowled at significant pace, threatening both the body and the stumps at the same time. Like enough that Head's kind of, you know, worried about the ball, but he's also thinking about protecting the stumps. It's coming in at him, but it then seams away significantly, kisses the corner of, of off stump. And I mean uh, I, I would I would compare it to um um start to get Vince. No, it was to get who? Vince in the last Ashes in Australia. Oh, yes. That was, a, that was a great I delivery. I have no memory of that Same, delivery at all. Mirror ball, like left-handed bowler seaming it away. That was just off a freak. I think it was crack, a crack. Though, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, It wasn't so much. Well, the day one deck yeah. in, the first, in the first session. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's keep things moving. Australia um, uh, were bundled out, but it was only kind of thanks to David Warner and Minus Labuschagne once again, who... Continued his fine form. And he, and he outscored the entire English batting lineup, actually. So England's capitulating for 67 in their second hmm. innings. Now, Ollie, you said you had a fun stat for us before we, <laughs> before we cast ourselves back to the first Australian innings. While you think about it. I've got a fun stat. <laughs> I've got a fun stat as well. <laughs> it's going off the rails Well, I mean, already. you said he, he both scored more runs and faced more balls than the entire English lineup. So that's my stat. <laughs> well, my stat is that uh, Joe Denley, top scoring for the Poms with 12 of 49, is the lowest top score, mm. I believe, in right. test history from a, from a team. Also a fun stat is that in the past 18 months in world cricket, in a test match, teams have been bundled out for, minus a, for, for south of 100 
eight times, and I believe England have accounted for four of those. So I think that's quite that's instructive nice. in terms of the mental mindset that's going on with Joe Root and his merry men when those collapses begin to happen. Yeah, well, there was there was the game against Ireland just in recent memory, and then only last summer when England were down in New Zealand, they were all out for 87-ish. I believe in the West Indies as well, weren't they rolled for like 90-odd, yes, yeah, and Joe Root got sconed yes, by yeah, an the fourth, I think George. it was the fourth innings. Fourth innings, yeah. okay. So, I mean, it was, it was ridiculous because Australia couldn't have set up the English, like, you know, the... This, they couldn't have written the script any more obviously. Like have a catcher just in at short, like at short cover or whatever you call that that fielding position. We should really do a fielding position quiz one day. That'd be very fun. And then you know just point it outside off, and they're even going to play at it and sneak it to the keeper or just lift a drive yeah. like we saw with Josh Josh Butler, which apparently he seems to always do mm. in his innings. I think we saw that with um, maybe it was Burns or Roy. It was, it was one of them, but. It was the same old, same old, just not being able to leave the ball and have the discipline to leave the ball. And I heard Jeffrey Boycott going absolutely nuts about this <laughs> on the BBC Test Match Special, which make, which makes a lot of sense given the, the amount of deliveries that he left in his life. Um, and his thing was just, you know, if you're in the pavilion, then you can't score runs. So I think uh, I don't think we're going to see that again from England is my call for the next... 18 to 24 months because I reckon that having that happen, especially against Australia in an Ashes test match after the trauma that England inflicted upon Australia at Edgbaston? Was it? In, well, no, like when we got rolled for 60 odd in the last Ashes test match. Um, oh, there's no Trent Bridge Trent 2015. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. After the trauma that England inflicted there for the same thing to then happen in such a way to bowling that was good, but it, it wasn't outrageous bowling. Oh, Hazelwood had some peaches in there. He, had, he No, he did, but I would say a majority of it was just the, the English... I mean, feel free to disagree with me here, but I thought it was majority just it seemed really like a lot of them. A lot of them took the attack as the best form of defence route, and they... Uh, I can think of a bunch of dismissals that were extravagant drives when, um, you know, normally... Like if if they were defending or leaving, they weren't necessarily that threatening. There were a couple of balls that were that were really really good and took the wickets, and that put the pressure onto the batsman who then felt the need to attack back. Probably most notably Ben Stokes, who, mm. as m- many of the listeners will know, we will return to. Big flash, half volley, way outside off stump um, to Warner, who we should mention took a number of excellent catches at first slip, which is not his natural took position. Four in the first innings alone, and then a couple more, I think, in yeah, the, in the second innings. Let's um, let's talk about Australia's second batting innings just really briefly. Same old story, minus Labuschagne scoring another fifty to make it three from three. Being run out, denied his chance to get the lid off for Australia, and, and, and it was a disappointing innings, but. There was always a feeling that this is more than enough. Like even once we passed two fifty, we lost a bunch of wickets. So once we passed a lead of two hundred fifty, mm. um, yeah, it felt like uh, you know that that's more than enough. We could have done better, but and and normally you wouldn't declare it at where they did, but you know, I think it would normally. I mean, <laughs> we'll get to a tenth most runs chased in a fourth innings, but even I think. There had to be some sort of awareness that there was two days. There's so much in hindsight that it's like, yeah. I, think, I, think I mean, England are going to go in and they're going to they're going to begin their chase on the day three deck, which yeah. which isn't super. And the sun had been out and it was hot and it really 
baked the pitch mm. a bit. Mm. I, I was watching a lot of the Australian second innings from behind from behind a drum kit in Penrith RSL. <laughs> <laughs> much the same as with uh, the Lord's Test. I was watching watching the match as well. And I, I've got to be honest, and I'm not trying to be all, look how much awesome hindsight that I had. <laughs> but I did not feel that this was a good thing for Australia to do as a return after bundling England out in the way that, that they did in England's first dig. Apart from minuses 80, let me just read you the scorecard. I'll be very, very quick. Marcus Harris, 19. David Warner, another duck. So I think all conversation about David Warner's return to form is very ill-founded. Uh, Kawaja with 23. Head with 25. Wade with 33. A lot of starts. A lot of starts. Tim Payne and Duck. James Patterson, 20. And then Cummins, 6. Lyon, 9. And Hazelwood, 4. Not at the close. That is Australia with the foot on the throat and being unable to finish the job. This is not This is a team that's not used to winning. Mm. And, and I completely agree. This is it's the a thing. Very good take. We've got a very, very talented team, but they don't know how to win. And uh, I think that showed by not just killing the game off there and then on a flattening pitch. Before we move on, we've got a live question that I thought, I thought oh, we might for it. want to answer. And Simon Holding writes in and says, Hey, boys, expecting any changes to the Aussie bowling lineup for test number four? What do we reckon? I, th- I think we have to. I think um, especially from the fourth innings display, which we'll get to, I think my take is Stark has to come in. We really struggled to polish off the low order, which is what Stark is especially good at. And I don't know, something something about it, the performance tells me Pattinson is probably going to be the one to make way. But I would agree with that. I think <clears throat> I think just with Pattinson in general, you have to manage him. And like he, I don't think he had the worst test match in the world. I think... Uh, again, we're about to get to that fourth innings and, and he definitely, his radar was not on there. But still, like he returns one for 47 in the English second innings with an economy of, of 1.88 from 25 overs, which was actually, he was actually the most economical Australian bowler, I, funnily enough. Can I have a hot take with this? Please. I think the way England bat- batted, flattered a lot of bowling figures. Um, I mean, maybe not Lions, but um, the way that, and especially when Pattinson was bowling, England's approach to yeah, yeah. England's approach to um, day three and four when they were at the start of day four was we're just you know Stokes was two from fifty like we're we're just going to leave the ball if we don't have to snowballing it yeah, yeah and tire the bowlers out and so I think Pattinson he he bowled well on day three I don't think those numbers give a full image of That's his and he I would add as well we were talking about Hazelwood took some wickets and the English threw away some wickets. And I think the wickets that were thrown away were mostly to Pattinson. Um, Stokes got Pattinson, for example, and he took, a number, I think, three wickets maybe in, the, in that first innings. But they were English batters trying to attack on a difficult pitch rather than Pattinson necessarily doing anything. That's so fair. I think you're right. I think Stark comes in. I think potentially even Cummins comes out for Siddle. He, he just said today on the record that he really wants to play a full series. Yeah. So, I mean, that yeah. could just be a little they, shot the, across the, the bow of the selectors well, for him. The, exactly. He's maybe anticipating it because the selectors have clearly shown a willingness to rotate again. You know, hark back to kind of 2013. Mm. Man, it, was, it was called the management program, wasn't yes. it? There was yeah, someone yeah, yeah. really intense corporate terminology yeah. used for it. And I remember uh, having... Stark a, played, what was it, like nine tests, one zero one zero one zero in a row. 
Right. So, I mean, it, it seems like the selectors are, are potentially considering a return to that. My, my pick would be Siddle, um, because I don't. I think, I think that England still have a problem with batting patiently. Now, with the second innings, they sort of redeemed that a bit, but I also think they got extremely lucky with it. And apart from Root and Stokes, I don't think you saw that good of an effort from the rest of the batting lineup. So. Well, yeah, okay. It's fair. And, and look, I, I actually think that England's batting lineup is a little bit better than Australia's at the moment, um, you know, regardless of the of the Stokes innings. So, I mean, I would say Siddle purely because of the pressure factor. And I'm still I'm still just not convinced by Stark's radar, if I'm honest. Yeah. I, I think he's just really been off with it in, for the past 18 months. But I could also understand... He's also set out the last go. three tests, I think. And he'll be... Like, if he gets a go... He'll be He'll well and really on and, show. Here, and here, one more thing on Stark before we move on. Leach faced, and we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll get to this obviously. Well, but Leech, to say about that innings, Jack, Jack Leach, the number eleven, faced I think eighteen balls. Seventeen, yeah, seventeen balls. If there's anyone who's going to get Leach out, sure, Stark might bowl the least amount of good balls, but his good balls are substantially more likely to take the wicket of a tailender than anyone else in our lineup. I'd like to get the stats on that. I'll, yeah, I, I might, that's a good so point. I may even write an article on that and put it up on uh, on following on. Let's let's let's, let's hit it hit it from the top then. <laughs> let's get to it. Where, okay. where, what, when did when did we start? It was late on day three. Wasn't late it? late on day three. Rory Burns. Uh, England were chasing three seventy one. Three fifty nine. Three fifty nine. Okay, apologies for that. Rory Burns went cheap. Seven of twenty one. Uh, Jason Roy went cheap eight from eighteen again. I don't think we're going to see Jason Roy bat again in the in this series personally, but that's maybe a, another conversation for another time. Then Joe Root with a really really overdue and much needed for him return to the fray seventy seven off two hundred and five. That is Alistair Cook. Urian, uh, with Joe Demley um, scrunching out 50 from 155 as well. Uh, Demley went just before the close of play on day three, and Ben Stokes at the close of day three was on two from 50, I believe, or thereabouts. Yeah. Now, what do we make of Australia's bowling that on, on day three? Because in one sense, you might want to say that England set a platform, and in hindsight, we can say that a lot more easily, but England obviously did set a pretty good platform late on day three. What do we think of our bowling late day three, early day four as well? I didn't watch it, so I'm going to sit this one out. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I mean, I don't think I watched much of the start of that innings. I think I watched the wickets. And I think we bowl, We started off pretty strongly, um, but Root's shown his class finally. Um well, I mean, he did have a 50 in the first test as well, yeah. but he's been, he's looked extremely out of sorts this whole series. And it, and it also, sh- it also should be mentioned the drop that he made at slip in the, uh, which one? In the, well, yeah, exactly. But uh, off minus Lubbershane in the Australian. On day three. Uh, in the Australian second innings. Yes. Absolute. Yeah. It was a chest yeah. mark, you know, it's not something yeah. you do in AFL I under think, 10s. I think Lubbershane got dropped four times and was out on the no ball in his 80. Yeah, if we, oh, oh, we're oh. going to talk about Ben Stokes getting lucky. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's have a look at that yeah, too. Yeah. Um, but going back to the Australian bowling, I think I think day three was quite good. I think it was tight. Um, it was mostly testing. I mean, they still bowled quite a few overs um, and it's day three of a test, you know, starting to tire. But to have three wickets by the end of the day for not, they weren't even halfway there. 
it it kind of yeah England had got a bit of a platform, but it, and we were relying on getting Root early, mm. and which we Stokes, which we managed to with Root. We got, we got Root to a great wicket. Well, an, an amazing catch by Dave Warner off the bowling of Nathan yeah, Lyon. That's right. I might describe it for those that missed it. So yeah, Nathan Lyon bowling procures the inside <laughs> edge as he often does to the right hander, but instead of going to bat pad. Actually went over Tim Payne somehow, and I still can't figure out the angles to make it happen. But Warner then took one of those Steve Smith like diving behind, behind the, the keeper, keeper yeah. catches, which he um, famous for in the UAE. I think he took one or two like that, uh, like predictive. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ball is going yeah, down yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's um, we'll talk about day four, but I, we might just field one more live question. Oh, please. Just Craig Ryan oh, writes in and says, "Can Australia recover from the psychological blow delivered by England in the third test?" And he feels that the tour match has come at the perfect time to halt England's momentum. Mm. I tend to agree. What do, what do we think? I, I've been saying in our chat that England are going to win 3-1 the Ashes um, because of largely Stokes. Um, but they showed it in Lords as well that they've been fighting hard. I think Craig does have a point though. The, the tour match is at a good time. Um, and I think the biggest thing is Smith coming back in. He is a leader, whether or not he's allowed to be captain. He is the best batsman in at least test cricket. And it just gives a stability to the rest of our batting lineup, which should only give us confidence. I think that Australia can recover from the psychological blow as much as England can recover from the psychological blow of being trundled for 67. I think so far this is a... And you said this is a World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> this is an Ashes that is being played on the backs of individual performances. This is not a series that's being played on the back of team performances. That's a great point. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it all the more exciting in mm. a way. And that's and because individual performances are so much more up and down than team performances, that's why it's just been swinging yeah. back and forward and wildly. I was going to say it's been a... Uh, Mainly the batting displays, which have been individual performances. But then I started thinking back, and I think it's been a five for in every innings. Well, we didn't even mention that Joffre Archer Is followed up his five? debut with six for in the first innings. <laughs> you know, the, any other test, we could be talking about that as the key moment, and we've just glossed it over. Absolutely, boys. Let's 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 kind <laughs> of look Stuck at the, look at look at Stokes because well, 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 he took it from there. Can, can I can I just before we do, let's just talk through what happens in the lead up to Stokes going into. Yeah. Um, for lack of a better word, God mode with the bat. <laughs> so in, in the English second innings, Johnny Bairstow comes and joins Stokes after Root departs and they block it out for a bit and then they just begin to look very, very dashing. Some beautiful cover drives slash drives straight back down down past Josh Hazelwood a lot because, he again, Hazelwood under pressure begins pitching it too full and Bairstow was seeing him really well and just got straight inside it until Bairstow departed from 36. At that point... I was like, I think this is... They lost five for 45 or something. Five for 48. And and I th- uh, even when Besto was in, I was saying, it doesn't matter, fellas. We're, like, they've <laughs> still got such a long way to go. Even <laughs> if Besto's in at this point. Well, like, we're, not, we're not just talking England were on track. England were, you know, in Newcastle on the City Rail headed for Central <laughs> Station. Like, yeah, they're on track, but like, there's, but still, man, there's such a long way a to long go. a long trip. You might get rolled along yeah. the way. And they did. Joss Butler came in and was being very tested by Hazelwood's length. Hazelwood bowled a couple of beautiful deliveries that pitched just a bit shorter, took the pace off the ball, and Butler was bending over, reaching out to them. And Butler eventually did get run out from <laughs> something that was Stokes' fault, but 
Stokes would have been out if he'd taken that single. Mm-hmm. And I actually think Stokes made the right call. Well, he made the right call after making the wrong call. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, he made the right call in the context of the match. So Butler goes for one. Chris Wokes How many goes runs are they at this point, by the way? I, I think when they needed about 90 Butler odd. gets out, they're on 253. So they're still just One over 100. 100. Yeah. yeah. Chris Wokes comes out and gets caught off the lifted drive. Once again, very predictable. Perfectly engineered there by Tim Payne and Josh Score Hazelwood. Score of 261. Then Joffrey Archer comes in and just sends... Nathan Lyon into the West Terrace with a couple of offensive yeah. blows <laughs> which was extremely exciting and at that point I was like oh gee they're really like the atmosphere was beginning to pick up we got below that bogey score of 80 that you mentioned as something that would make you a little bit nervous if England sure. got below but by that point in time England are 8 down and you I, and you just th- sorry 7 down mm-hmm. 8 down yeah 8 yeah, down 8 for 286 yeah, and they still need what's that 60 75, 80 runs. Yeah, like. and, you just, and you're thinking at that point in time, no, like they need to get below 40 with the, with this equation to really be a threat. And when then Archer held out, it didn't look like Archer was really... He wasn't there for long. <laughs> he wasn't there for long. And I actually don't think he played the role that he should have when you have a batsman who's in and going and not looking like getting out at all because Stokes was not looking like no. getting out. The sixes were great because he pulled them off. But the way that he got caught on the boundary by Travis Head, who nearly got taken oh. out by Josh Hazelwood... Yeah. Oh my goodness. I think it was Pat Cummins. Pat Cummins. Apologies, I, what was yeah. so interesting about that as well was that it was the sixth ball of the over. Like he, He'd already hit two sixes. Mate, just see it just out. And, and there's, there's out. A, bit, a bit of inexperience showing from yep. a I, youngster. I do think Joffre's only got one way of batting from what I've seen, which is going for it. Going for it. It's very West Indian. And I don't mean <laughs> to very be tail racist as well. in, that, in that sense. Sorry, I'm just going to blow through this because yeah, I'm going yeah, yeah. to have to bail on this episode a little bit early. Um, <laughs> then Stuart Broad comes out, stitched up for a duck off two deliveries. Jack Leach comes in. At this point, it's over. The, there's a there's a lull in the ground. No one's going and restocking their beers. But people aren't leaving either. And that's what I thought was so thrilling about this game, that the crowd just hung around just in case, especially given that Leach is coming off a 98 at number 11, admittedly against the Irish. But even then, you're versing people like Tim Murtagh, who was swinging the ball everywhere in that Lord's game. And then we, we were sitting... Quite on literally, this couch. Quite literally <laughs> the same configuration that we're sitting in now, listeners. And we said to each other, the only thing Soaks can do now is just go for it because Leach isn't going to be able to tick it over. There's no way. And Stokes did begin going for it. And it, it was Miles, I'll let you or Ollie, I'll let you take over. But it was something to behold, some of the some of the shots he was doing. I mean, Stokes talked about his game plan with this, and it I think he executed it just as perfectly as you could hope for, which mm. was uh he, he took it kind of the opposite way you might for a one-day innings, which was he went hard when the score was still 60, 50, 40, 30. Those amounts of runs to get, the target declined very rapidly. Very rapidly. And then Josh he controlled it at that point because he realized that the, a wicket was possible at any point. Mm. If he's kind of in, in just hit every ball over the boundary mode, he could risk exposing Leach a bit more. And um, so he, he, he hit... Um, a bunch of sixes, including one particular Terrible. over from Hazelwood, which was really poorly bowled, but also extraordinarily well played from Stokes, who wasn't swinging wildly. He just knew <laughs> how well he was timing the ball. And, I mean, he wasn't swinging wildly. He was playing some outlandish shots. Out. T20 mode. And I've actually just written a piece on this, which will be appearing on following on soon. 
and in that I referenced the Pereira innings against South Africa for uh, Pereira. Pereira is a Sri Lankan batsman batting against the South Africans in Durban in February this year, and Sri Lanka were nine down. They mm. still needed eighty runs to go. Two, so in fact, two more runs than. England needed exactly. in, when the ninth it was fell. eerily yeah. similar, and he just went complete T twenty yeah. and w- hit I think six sixes. <laughs> I mean, fluky to the max. <laughs> we mentioned this on the pod before, uh, including a filthy uppercut to seal the deal. But it was the <laughs> exact same thing. Like you, you started seeing shots that you're never going to see in Test cricket ever. A lot of people are comparing it to Ian Botham from 1981. But what was different here is that Stokes was switching game modes and playing in a way that demanded Australia bowl differently, mm. mix up their bowlers, I think more more balls outside the leg could potentially have tied Stokes up a tiny bit. But then we saw him switch hit <laughs> Hazelwood for six over and, and, and that was what should sh- have been square leg. That but. was a shot that made me jump for joy. <laughs> I think that was the most exciting shot I've seen in a test match ever. And he was doing this with nine fielders on the boundary. It was, it was, whether or not you're an Australian or English supporter, it was just, it was ballsy batting to the point of, uh, it was jaw on the floor stuff. I'm sorry I'm on such a rant here, boys, because I I will leave, I will leave the episode with this. The best part of this entire innings, even more than the Stokes switch hit, and I've been reflecting on this, I was in the shower today thinking about this. (laughs) I'm ready. Jack Leach, has to cop. There's two runs to go. I'm sure you guys will talk about the the Joel Wilson LBW decision, but and, and the Nathan Lyon run out. But Jack Leach has got six balls that he has to see out from Cummins. from Cummins. There are two fielders right in on his pads. They're expecting short stuff. And Leach, who was polishing his glasses after every <laughs> single over, who Stokes couldn't actually watch face up every time that Leach was on strike. Stokes would just be staring at the ground. Leach just steered the ball between the two close infielders on his leg side, directly between them, to go and tie the game for England and save the Ashes. I thought from a number 11 batsman to have the calmness of mind to do that and to risk it, knowing you could glove it and pop it up to them, that was insane. Stokes, I, the I mean... The ballsiest thing I've ever seen. Stokes may have hit 134, 135, was it? Uh, it was. 135. Uh, 135, 135. 219 at 61-64. But... None of those runs were as significant as that single run from Jack Leach. Saved the entire series. <laughs> yeah, Saved the, absolutely. The, the whole Ashes was depending on As in on literally that. brought the scores from if we get a wicket, if, if we get a wicket, then we win the Ashes, to if we get a wicket, it's still on. Listeners, we'll, we'll be back in a second to, uh, to talk about uh, some of the more controversial moments right towards the end. It's been good, Alistair, and we'll catch you next time. Yes, I mentioned that there's some controversial moments and Ollie and I are just going to discuss a couple of those before we sign off and look quickly towards the next test. And we might just go order by order, chronological order, four, I think, key moments right towards the end. Number one, Pat Cummins is bowling over the wicket to the left-handed Jack Leach and um, the ball hits his pad. It's clearly not even hitting the stumps, (laughs) let alone talk about whether it's pitched outside leg or not. And we review it. Um, what, what do we what do we make of that? At the time, it was like I felt a bit ambivalent about it because you know we m- might as well, right? Ah, uh, I think I think this is where the leadership within the team and Tim Payne's been a pretty good captain so far, but I think this for me shows a lack of game awareness. I think 
even if it's I think you just got to know when the ball is pitching outside leg. But is is this just? I mean, no one's criticizing Joffa Archer for. Uh, I think in the first England innings, he reviewed and walked off. It's just what you do if it, if you're desperate. Like, there's no. But I think it's, it's different. You're, when you're, you're talking with hindsight, aren't you? Oh, I don't know. I think it's different as a batsman when there's only like two batsmen to come after you, as Joffa bats at number eight, then. It doesn't matter so much because if you've got two reviews left, there's only two more wickets to sure. like potentially review. I, I probably am speaking with a bit of hindsight, but I think I think it is something to. Uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> it was very frustrating to see them actually review it. And I might just make one other kind of uh, a bit more philosophical point, which is we say, oh, if we had that review left at the end, and um, I guess the next thing, well, no, with it, <laughs> there was so so much happened really, but. Um, uh, obviously, that wasted review led to Australia not being able to review an LBW call earlier. Uh, sorry, a bit later. I mean, my, my, the point is, we're, it's a whole like different universe in which Australia doesn't review. Who knows if that LBW shout's going to happen if they... Like whether that ball gets bowled because it was 30 seconds earlier and the wind was slightly like this and Nathan Lyon was thinking about something else like... Yeah, you, know, you can't say you can't. Uh, at least I can't point to the review as a direct reason why Australia lost. Unlike what happened, maybe four balls later, when uh, Nathan Lyon bowls a ball, it pitches on middle and leg, it straightens. Mm. Does it straighten enough? The Australians obviously think so. Does it hit the front pad in mm. the outside? Joel Wilson thought not. I also thought not. At the time, it did seem to me that the front pad had deflected it uh, live at the time, but obviously Joel Wilson turned it down and, and later it was shown that three reds were up and, and if Australia had had the review and they'd reviewed it, it would have been game over. <sighs> what a moment. It's, it's the kind of decision we'll be talking about for, for years. Yeah, and, and my question is, does the umpire have to take in the team's DRS... Decisions. No, and absolute, I think absolutely I think not. that was the yeah. right response, but it looked. I don't know. It looked pretty good. It. Oh, I don't know. It. Seeing the Hawkeye. No, I. This, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very glad we're doing this today because if we're doing this yesterday, I don't know how many oh, words yeah. I'd have. There's so much, so much emotion attached to these kind of. But there's still a lot of emotion in there, and it's. It's frustrating. And yeah. It's interesting, right? The, it, in one sense, there's a negative aspect to this because if this happens in 1948, right? The umpire calls it not out. It's not out. Yeah. That's it. We're just talking about how great Ben Stokes' innings was. Maybe. There's, <laughs> there's I mean, still a few sure, other. Sure. <laughs> not out. Um, well, um, we'll get to what happened the very next ball in just a sec. But, um, you know, now forever there's an asterisk next to this inning. So we'll get forgotten. Mm. But it's always going to be there, which is that, was he out? We know he was out. And unfortunately, the umpire just didn't think so. Yeah. And that's one of the kind of... Well, <laughs> then the philosophical... Vagaries of cricket, really. Is, is he out? Yeah. He's not out unless the umpire gives it, no yeah. matter if the ball is going on to hit the stumps. Well, Nathan Lyon had... Uh, I th- actually, I think that... So I have got my orders mixed up because it was actually the previous ball... Nathan Lyon, had, by bowling that LBW um, ball, he'd, he'd actually just made up for a really costly error. Mm. Uh, for some reason, 
Jack Leach and Ben Stokes are mixed up. I mean, I think at this point it is just one run to tie the game at this point. Jack Leach goes for runs. Stokes sends him back. Uh, Pat Cummins, I believe, collects the ball, throws it at Lyon on the bounce with speed. And it's, it's a bit of a rough throw, but oh, this is a we're talking about a professional cricketer here. An experienced professional cricketer drops the ball and the run out chance is lost. It wasn't he wasn't even in the same postcode. I mean, how how does that happen? That's just the pressure of international cricket, I guess, or was it just Ben Stokes' day and, and destiny is a real thing? I mean <laughs> <What> <laughs> he's had two days in quick succession yeah. <laughs> with that World Cup final, but yeah. uh like, Lyon is a very good fielder, but he's human. There was a lot of pressure. I think he's probably celebrating his head before he catches the ball. Yeah. Like you see him kind of grab at it and just. I, I would have. <laughs> I would have choked in that situation. Like, yeah. it, it's hard to blame him, but it's also very not hard to blame him. Like he's at fault for dropping that ball, and yeah. I mean. Yeah, <laughs> what a moment, what a moment um, in all honesty. And Lyon did make up for that just a ball later by taking what should have been the wicket of Ben Stokes. I think let's just kind of take a step back and, and just ask ourselves, you know, when all said and done, how significant is it when we say Stokes got lucky? How, sig- how, how Does that affect how we look at his innings? Does it, does it put an asterisk... Another one, I guess, yeah. on on his uh, on his innings. Does it remove it from greatest innings of all time status? I don't think so. You look back at scorecards; they don't tell the full story, mm. but you don't mm. see the luck that's involved. And it's cricket. Like you talk about Smith Smith's greatest ever innings in Pune. Yeah. How many times did he get dropped? Yeah. <laughs> like three or four. Like, I, I mean, uh, I, um, there are so many great innings where there's been early drops or lucky. Um, you know. Umpire decisions. Mm. I can think of Andrew Simons, 150-odd at the SCG, SCG, which obviously went right down to the wire and and an early decision from Steve Buckner, I believe, to give him not out when he was clearly out. I mean, Mm. that's just that's cricket. And that's that's life, really. It's one of the kind of fantastic things about cricket is how it mirrors life in that respect. It's not not fair. It's just just nuanced and complex and interesting. And uh, we're all... On the ride together. Yeah. And, yeah, take, batting is taking your luck and yeah. making the most of it. And <laughs> Stokes has made the most of it a lot recently. Absolutely unreal innings. And, I mean, what a match. What a, yeah. what, what a performance. There was one other moment with Stokes. Um, mm. I can't remember who was bowling off the top of my head, but he looks to go for another six as he had been smashing and kind of top edges it down towards fine Oh, leg. you're right. Fine you're leg. right. The drop. Or third, third man. man, very difficult chance. Marcus Harris ran in well. He'd done the distance. And, He'd and, caught it. Yeah, and just as his hand hit the ground, it popped out, and we thought, "Geez, that that could be it." Yeah, and, and there, were, there were still twenty odd runs to go at that point. It was. <laughs> there's so many moments of like, and that's cricket. Like, yeah. there's so many moments of if this had gone one way or that had gone the other, then the game's different and you win. But not our day. Look, I mean. All, all we can do is marvel, really, I think, at, at, at this kind of game. The series is just set up insanely well. Yeah. I mean, 1-1, one, one, two matches to go. Both games are now live, mm. no matter the result. If Australia win, um, 
then it's live in the sense... If I say we win the next test, that does guarantee us retaining the Ashes, but we'll obviously look to win in England, not just retain. If England win, then we need to then win to retain the Ashes. If it's a tie or a draw... I mean, a tie would just <laughs> a tie be, like would be insane. the greatest series of all time. No, no questions asked, but um, a, a draw going into the final test at the Oval would be 1-1 one, one, one then. And, you know, the hype surrounding a winner-takes-all Ashes game at the Oval would just be too much to handle. <laughs> but It's been some year of cricket. Handle it, we will, as we always do on State of Play. It's been great being with you live on Facebook for the first time. We may do this from time to time. But for now, we will just continue to soak in what has been an absolutely incredible Ashes series. My name's Miles Cade. My name's Ollie Winch. And we will catch you next time. Stay up.